Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. That's the first horn section you're going to hear this afternoon. And there they go. Oh, I thought they were just peeking. They're orderly. They are orderly. Very orderly out the studio they go. Out you go, 12.02 here on the mighty three triple RFM broadcasting to you from beautiful downtown East Brunswick. And you know what? What? We're delighted that you've joined us. We were reflecting on the weather. How beautiful is it in Melbourne? It's very rare for us to be able to say that in the last, God, six months. You said we've peaked. I think we. I think yesterday was... <laughs> you said that's it. It was the day. I mean, nothing better. Hope you took some photos. You took some photos. I took some photos because I was out and about, which I'm dying to tell you about, yes. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, little doggies, if you're looking at the radio going, what's that sound? Um... Yes, it was a beautiful day. First of all, we must thank. Of course. Of course. Are they left? No, they're still there. Are they milling? Scientists are still over there in Studio One. Well, you should just make a break for it. Winding down from there. Because those scientists just race to their electric cars. (laughs) Race to the Tesla. Or even the Tesla. Um, Thank you, scientists. You were awesome. Uh, Doctors were awesome. Didn't hear Radio Marinara, unfortunately. but. Whoops. I'm sure it would have been awesome mm. as well. There they go. The cavalcade. Today's show, we are so excited because in the green room, mm. just knocking out a quick little espresso. Yes. We got Digger. I remember him. Oh, uh, yes. Many years ago now for the show, from the show that followed us, Dirty Deeds. Indeed. And you might hear him on breakfast as uh, yeah, every once, couple of weeks. once yep. a fortnight, mm. uh, which is kind of good. But. Uh, we're going to just shoot the breeze regarding autumn. Yep. And, uh, well, signs of that. Actually, I talk a little bit about that to John, who is also going to be on the show. He's got first cab off the rank, actually, today. Mm, so is. if you're looking forward to your John fix at the market, fear not, because mm. it will happen. And then all go, all things going as we hope they shall, mm. Duncan Buchanan. Yes. Actually in studio, so... Duncan, uh, he of the phone calamity of a few months ago now, where we tried to talk to oh, him on the, the phone, phone calamity, and couldn't understand a thing that he said. So uh, I think we gave up on that after three like, minutes and played him. Duncan, where are you? The moon? He was on the moon. Yeah, I think he was. So we thought, Duncan, how about you just come in today? Please. And so, he was happy to oblige because that's the kind of guy he is. Well, this is what we're hoping. We'll see what happens. Uh, I have a food quote today from a great American chef. James Beard. James Beard. He was so good, they made a foundation after him. Yes. That's when you know you've made your mark, I'd Mm. say. He says that good bread is the most fundamentally satisfying of all foods, and good bread with fresh butter, the greatest of feasts. And I would tend to agree with him. Just a little sprinkle of salt will make it perfect. Well, hopefully your butter's got that nice bit of salt on it. But yeah, that just little go bit, a bit and, more. Just go and, a bit more. But let's face it, there's, there's there's sort of this innate sensuality about, you know, really nice salt flakes and just rubbing it between your fingers and thumb and mm-hmm. letting it sprinkle down on a piece of bread. Mm. Hmm. Is that what you're doing out there? Have another little bite. Okay. Um, so I had what I can only describe as an absolutely 
jaw-dropping day and evening you were yesterday. Tell, tell me about it before the show, and it, it was, sounded amazing. It was just a never-ending cavalcade of just wonderfulness. It really, really was. Um, I had uh, the guys from Diggers Club rang me up a yep. while ago, and they said to me, you know what, Yoast Baker is going to mm. be doing a talk on soil. And, you know, we'd really like you to come up and maybe moderate this and just have a discussion with him at our gardens at Cloud Hill. Mm. And I didn't want to tell him, like, I, I don't know what Cloud Hill even is, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, hey, Yoast Baker, count me in. Yep. Um, so I rang Yoast and uh, he said, oh, buddy, we've got, you've got to come to this cafe mm. before we meet. What, what say we go a little bit early, we can catch up, mm. shoot the breeze... Have something to eat, and then we'll go over to Cloud Hill. We'll do the talk. Good plan. Jobs right chef, as uh, people might have said in the industry, or still do probably. So I make it up to uh, the – I go to the Dandenong Ranges. Mm. I go down Fern Tree Gully Road, and, you know, the traffic's apparent, yes. as it is everywhere when you go in <laughs> Melbourne. Especially on a Saturday. And I'm going, oh, okay. Saturdays are the worst. It's all right. Feel the serenity. The serenity will happen. <laughs> I'm going up the mountain. So um, off I go, and, and, and then it all changes, and I'm going up mm. uh, Mount Dandenong. And I haven't been to the Dandenongs for ages. It's beautiful up there, isn't it? It's something that I've um, neglected, shall we say. Mm. I'm very, very sorry that I have. I go to this place called Proserpina Bakery, mm. 361 Mount Dandenong Road, with... Some expectation. Yeah. You know, you just go there. Yeah, it'll, there'll be coffee. You assume there's going to be coffee and there'll be stuff that has been raised by yeast, right? Yeah. Okay. So I get in there and the first thing I see is just this line of just the most beautiful pastries, mm -hmm. including this lemon tart, which, anyway, it looked really, really good. Let's, mm. let's not gild the lily too much. But, mm. wow, um, I do that. And then I see these great breads that are available and then i see all this sort of area it's quite open and airy and it's really really nice and um nature has called me shall we say mm. and i think to myself <laughs> i need to probably find a facility for this nature's need call to find the water closet yes yeah a water closet nice yeah. uh, so yes i'm looking for a water closet um anyway i see um this guy behind um all the 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 people who are serving are busy so i'm not yep. trying i don't want to cut into them because they're doing their stuff um but there's um the the baker and the what i obviously you see is the head chef mm. uh conversing mm. i sort of sidle in because you know me i'm no stranger to a kitchen <laughs> and i go oh, um, excuse me i'm very sorry to interrupt i have a need <laughs> And he goes, oh, it's just around there. And I'm like, I know you. Anyway, I go out and do It's Gary Cooper. So Gary you, Cooper. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, we almost needed a little sting there. Um, but Gary Cooper was the man who we used to speak at. He was a chef at uh, Belvedere In the Arrow Valley. And we used to ring him up maybe once a year. Much lamented that he was gone. Right in the middle of lunch service. And yeah, I've had a couple of amazing meals at, at Belvedere, And I was saying to you just before the show, what I loved about that place was it just had oodles of soul. It was just so genuine. Um, the food and the setting, it was it was beautiful. It was very sad to see it go. Maybe Kitchen Garden too, before yes. Kitchen Gardens became de rigueur. And you found him again. So oh, Gary, I'm going, Gary, I'm going, where He's popped up in Sassafras. And um, he's cooking like a god there. He's so this is it. What's the name of this place? So this was the bakery? Proserpina Bakery, 361 Mount Dandenong Road. Yes. Everything is um, just 
got a little bit of magic dust sprinkled which, over the top which of it. Which, dare I say, for Mount Dandenong is... That was the thing, exactly, because there's Finding still those weird places. All the, all the Devonshire mock, tea places. Mock Tudor. Yes. There's like mock Tudor everywhere and you go, Ooh. Well, there's, there's the cuckoo that's up there and there's... I didn't want to actually name a thing. Yeah, we, okay, the cuckoo. And I went, into, and yeah, anyway. Oh. But good food. In and you really, drive by and you go, oh, the cuckoo. Anyway. <laughs> good and, food you know, in a really touristy not area. Not there's anything wrong with cuckoos, right? No. Other than they chuck out the young of other species. But, hey, we we're not going to go into that. <laughs> but... Um, this place is something that represents a new way. It's the mm. same as how I think I might have been saying Macedon is yes. being reinvigorated uh, by mm. a new generation that's coming in. I speak of like Mount Ida Pizza. Yep. Anyway, the food there is insane, unbelievable. Then I go to Cloud Hill. Yep. I have not seen – this could be one of the most beautiful gardens I've ever seen. Yeah, right. Full stop. Mm. Full stop. Oh, my God. Um and uh, we wandered around there. I recommend you go and see that. 89 mm. Alinda, um, 89 Monbulk Road in Alinda. Mm. Uh, you got to pay to get in. Uh, Diggers Club members, free. Ooh. You can just go and hang out. Yeah, if it's but, Diggers Club, it's not going to be But too there's much money. trees that are 100, you know, over 100 years old. There's, there's these two beaches that were planted by the very, very first presenter, garden presenter ever. Mm. Yes, you were saying like on the BBC in the 30s or something. 1934. Yeah. Uh, Japanese maples that from 1924. Mm. Um, just staggering beauty everywhere, almost enough to make you weep. Mm. Okay. Then I do a talk with Yoast, and yep. it's incredible because Yoast is this polymath, renaissance, amazing innovative man who I've always admired greatly. I remember saying to you with Yost Baker, whenever he was on this show, I would learn something. I would learn lots. I'd go away and I'd think, oh, why hadn't I thought of that? Yeah, we're going to drag him in from Mombok yeah. and do that. Anyway, so that was an incredible couple of hours. Yep. And then I get back into town and, you know, Mama Sita. Yeah. Mama Sita, the one who, who brought, they were the, on the vanguard, the pioneers of bringing real... Well, what they thought was real. Uh, Mexican food. <laughs> yes. Ten years ago. Yes. Um, it was their 10th birthday, and I was lucky enough to be invited to that event. Ah. And I ate my fill of Mexican food and drank maybe one or two margaritas nice. too much. <laughs> <sighs> and there was rejoicing. So that was my day yesterday. That's a good day. Uh, so anyway, congratulations to Mama Cita for 10 years. Uh, none of them will be hearing us because they were breaking off to – they did two sittings mm -hmm. as well as a master class in the afternoon and then they were having their staff party. So I don't think they'll be on solid foods for a couple of days. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Um, that's it. So – so it's, Mount Dandenong, check it out, or the Dandenongs, or whatever you want to call it, check it out. Prosecina Bakery. We on, don't often do a recommended buy, like a real sort of a hard sell. A hard sell. A hard sell. Yeah. Like you got to go like, here, like the TV shopping networks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, time's running out. I can't believe it's only nineteen ninety five. Oh my god, it's only up the road. Um, but yeah, Prosecina Bakery. Gary Cooper, great baker. Who um, unfortunately I, I need to get his name. Brilliant stuff. And if you can get to Cloud, um, Cloud Hill Gardens, you need to have a look at that. 12.13. We shouldn't... Speaking too long. We shouldn't tarry. Uh, we're no gonna, tarrying. We're going to go to the market after this. What is tarry anyway? Oh, I'm digressing. Yeah. yeah. 12.14 here on the mighty 3 Triple R FM. You are listening. Autumn is coming. 
One is, as I've already explained at the beginning of the show, I was up in the Dandenongs yesterday, which was bloody magic. And I saw the very, very first of what we call those autumn lilies, the ones that just go, I'm just a stalk, and like a little trumpet, pink trumpet flower has come up, and I thought, oh, okay, seasons are changing. And then you said two words, just as I was setting up, sauce, tomatoes. Good morning. Good morning, Cam, and it's tragic sauce tomato time. Tragic? Tragic. Why? Well, normally what, we have... Um, tragedy on a Sunday, John, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Normally we have um, an agent who's very, very good to us, um, brings in good hand um, harvested tomatoes yeah. for sauce, always looks after us so I can look after my customers as well. Boxes and boxes yeah, and boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Boxes and boxes. Yeah. And, and normally just after Christmas um, they start up. Yeah. So when I start up in January, they're in full swing. Yeah. Uh, he's had tomatoes twice, and twice he said, don't even think about it to me. So, Whoa. you know, that says enough when we're nearly on the tail end of February. Did he say it in sort of like an Italian? They don't even think about it. No, he's no. an Aussie Italian like me, mate. He, uh, okay. he speaks the strain as well. Strain, mate. That's right. I had um, to go there. But he yeah, said, yeah. Don't, and why... Well, Do we not even think about it? The quality of the tomatoes that he had just weren't very good. Um, what and happened to them? Well, they got hit by the sun, they got hit by the rain, they got hit, hit by, by the, the smoke, the they dust. got hit by the dust and the wind. And the poor tomato plants don't know where they are. <laughs> um, they were selling uh, salad romas at $5 a kilo wholesale. So uh, you what can imagine. Usually, what's that just to give people an idea? Well, normally by this time of year, we're selling three dollars a kilo for a salad tomato. I'm selling sauce tomatoes for three dollars a kilo. Yeah, okay. So I got lucky. Some boys there um, have got a, a small-time grower, father and son, and they've sent us these beautiful long Roma. uh, romas. This is a San Mazzano, a true pulp tomato. That's that's the one that. That's sort of the king of the sauce tomatoes, is it not? Definitely. Now, yeah. these, these boys, because they're a small concern, they're hand harvesting. Yeah. Um, you know, occasionally you get the ugly one. This one's got a sunburn on its butt. But at least, you know, when you cook them up, you're going to get a magic sauce. It's, and you're um, still seeing a little bit of dust that's on here. Oh, yeah, they didn't get washed. That, that, that's is, clean compared to some of them. Some and, of them you can hardly see the, the patina on the tomato. Sorry to interrupt you, buddy. Um, th this is the tragedy of this thing is this is the topsoil that's come from the north, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's um, probably a different colour to uh, its mother that are growing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but at least we got some. Um, so what's a punter to do? Uh, well, a punter is either be careful of what you buy because there's a lot of hand harvest, sorry, machine harvested out there, mm. which you can buy twenty twenty two dollars a box. Yes. But I don't. I'd rather go without than have those tomatoes because they're chemically ripened. Whoa! Yeah. Go mate. without making sauce. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're doing that. We're going to stretch our sauce out. Um, my, my eyes nearly popped out of my yeah. head, didn't they, John? But see, we're like, blessed. This is the first year that you've ever said this to me. Yeah. Yes. I uh, know. Two years ago, I think I said about not quite as bad. Yeah. But we're blessed because we've always got good tomatoes here that even in the middle of winter, there's always something that I can sell my customers that's been harvested ripe out of the glass houses. Or we've got our Doncaster tomatoes. I've got one here. It's uh, wrinkly, not wrinkled on the skin, but bad shape like a an old Adelaide tomato. 
Still a pretty tomato. Still though. a pretty tomato. When you I cut mean, that in that. half, I mean, that looks delicious. It's the brightest of red, and it's brightest of red on the outside it's, as well. It's taut like a drum. It like is. You can it is. see that. The it's skin got, is very firm, but it's got a beautiful colour. It's a juicy tomato. Yeah. So you know, we've been surviving on having a handful of fresh tomatoes in a pasta rather than three litres of sauce on top. Mm. Um, can I just say there is a the great recipe if you want that fresh tomato taste, tomato fresca. <laughs> I'm murdering Italian. He's giving me a weird look already. Sorry, but um, but you just get a tomato and you grate it into yeah a saucepan and and cook that. Yeah, but I I could tell you a very quick summer sauce. Go on. All right. You chop up your garlic, put it in a bowl. Yeah. Chop up your basil, put it in a bowl. In a bowl. You put your pasta on. You get your red 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 tomato. Put a cross in the uh, back end. Cut the core out. Float it on top of your pasta. Yes. By the time your pasta's cooked, your tomato's worn through. You pull the tomato out with a slotted spoon, throw it on top of the basil, and get a potato masher and take your frustrations out. <laughs> and, the, and the heat from the tomato is going to sort of yeah. just take away the rawness and of the garlic a little bit. And a drop of olive oil as well, don't forget. Salt, yes, definitely. And that half-cooked tomato really warms the basil, brings all the oil out of the basil, brings the... Flavours out of the tomato come out into your pasta. Mm. And you can even have it a little bit soupy rather than, you know, make it really dry. You can put a little bit of the water from the pasta. And maybe and if you're a little bit Siciliano, you'd put a little bit of chilli on oh, top. Oh, yeah, that goes without saying. Hey, you know. okay, Calabrese um, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, actually, my Calabrese mate used to sit there with a the scissors and a chilli and put it on top of his <laughs> pasta. And it used to be red. Um, but okay. that's another story, okay. so we'll so move that, on. So that's tomatoes. But yeah, you, you, you can find tomatoes out there. You've got to be careful. Look around. Yeah. Make sure all your utensils and bottles are clean. You should be okay. Sterilise, yeah, all, right. all that sort of stuff. But salad tomatoes, we got plenty of Doncaster tomatoes. we got some pretty little round ones. we got big round ones that are pretty. And we got six million ugly ones because of the weather again. Um, you know, the plants all over the place. Um, they get shaken and that, so they're misshapen. But the flavour's there. The yes. science says bad shape, good flavour. And the people laugh, and the next week they come back and say, thank you for the best tomato. Sounds like my, my good self in a way. Too. Yeah. Okay, stop it. Um, okay, the, um, we are looking at things. I'm looking across fruit-wise. Bloody hell, look at the size of those cherries there, and they're still only 18 yeah, bucks. Yeah, there's some 18, there's some 28, yeah. there's some 38. You get into there's those. There's still some 15. Yeah. But don't forget, what you pay is what you get. So. Yes, yes, but there, yes. there's an abundance of fruit. There's a lot of citrus. There's a lot of new apples. Actually, no, they won't be new apples. Oh, yeah, no, no Robbie oh, said wait. the gala started. Yeah, wait, yeah. Um, and there's six million dragon fruit out there, but they're only good for one thing. Tell me, what is that? Well, if you've got problems with the stomach and the system's clogged up, that's the best thing. Rather than taking a pill, have a dragon fruit. It'll clear everything out. So it's better than a dose of salts? Definitely. It's not really definitely, that definitely. tasty, though, is it really? Well, you like no, no, I don't eat it. But the Asians and the older people, they're not stupid. You know, they go get the natural remedies rather than taking, like the old days used to take a Ford pill. I don't know if you're old enough a to remember. Ford pill, yes. Um, I never really understood what they were for. Yeah, well, that's what they're for, mate. If you Regu can't, yeah, for regularity. Yeah, yeah, out, yeah, yeah. But what we do is yeah. we get these beautiful big sultanas, well, small sultanas, but they're bigger than what they were a couple big, of weeks big ago. Big bunch. This is a big bunch, bigger fruit. Uh, it was grown under shade cloth, so it's been protected. 
the ones out in the field were a lot smaller but a lot browner. Mm. But these have still got a little bit of a, a brownie hue on them. They're all sugar, no seeds, so it's a natural sultana. Oh, yeah. Um, if you have all your fruit in a day, you shouldn't have any problems about regularity. We've got I... beautiful muskets as well, sorry. None at all. No, I was just going to say get grapes because um, before too long, it's going to be gone well, and you're going to miss them and it's not going to be around for a while. Not only are they going to be gone, well, they won't be gone because at the moment they're coming straight out of the field, mm. into the box, into the market. Yeah. Um, a lot of them is getting put away into the refrigerator, stored with a sulphur pad, so the flavours change. People have more allergies to sulphur. Yes. Some will go overseas, which I doubt because no one's got any money, so they'll all stay here and we'll have a feast, but they'll be stored. And that's actually one of the good things because, uh, oh, and one thing we have to say that I've noticed is really starting to come in and get into these because they're going to be gone, figs. Yes, the figs there, very short season. Um, Dad had a first crop, which is unusual, normally they shed and a second crop comes big. Mm. We had a feed of the first crop, second crop he's only had two or three, you know, every second week, but he reckons they're the best figs that he's ever had. So, you know, sometimes... Um, wow. A few is better than a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially wow, the best figs he's ever had. Yeah, and they're a big, big black fig, okay. and the little, little green ones are slowly coming on. But, he's, but yeah. had, he's had a few footy seasons to compare. I think so. I think so. But yeah, if you buy them and they're greener, uh, probably better for cooking. If they're a ripish, have a bit of bread and fig. Chabatta bread, yeah, mate. It works. It really does. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Okay, pick of the market. Pick of the market. Uh, let's see, people are shied away from collies, but they're the tightest, whitest collies I've ever seen, even from the middle of winter. Mm. And we're selling about four bucks today. Um, Franca cooked it up the other day with a bit of tomato rather than just plain boiled with olive oil, and it was magic. Um, peas and beans, still very expensive. Good beans and peas, 13 a kilo. Buy a few. Uh, a lot of the customers are doing that, and they're coming back and saying, well, it works. I buy a handful, we eat them, and there's no waste. Um, there's an abundance of capsicums, but they are a little bit dearer at the moment. Normally we're selling 2 or $3 a kilo in the middle of summer. Now they're 6 and $7. Beautiful field-grown eggplant, $4 a kilo. There's so many things you can do with them. You can grill them or stuff them or fry them. Um, get out there and try them. It's worth it. Reckon. Um, and tomatoes, well, like I said, you know, even though the weather's been funny, we've got a lot of heirlooms. A lot of cherry tomatoes, cherry truss, and we've got beautiful mini romas on a truss as well. So what can I say as usual? Walk around, pick, pick the eyes the out of the market. market. There's so many greens, Asian greens, Italian greens, you know, the old style silver beets and that out there as well. Design your menu while you're walking around. Don't worry about saying we're going to have this Monday, this Tuesday. No. That's the old idea of walking around the market and talking to people. That's right. I went the other day and I bought some snapper mm. and I rang up Frank and I said I'd like fish and chips and I got it. It was beautiful. Praise Jesus. Yes, definitely. Nice work. It's a good life. Yeah, it makes you smile. I it like definitely it. definitely does. Thank you, John. We'll see you soon. All right, have a lovely day. Enjoy the sun for today. We'll see what happens. Oh, as I live and breathe. You're listening to Eat It on 3 Triple R. My name's Cam. This is Matt. Uh, hello. And we got Digger. Hi, I'm Digger. Oh, 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 Digger, that was so cool. Had to give that Are little you, pause. You've been cool and coy. Uh, cool is one thing I am not. Yeah? What about coy? <laughs> Maybe coy. Okay, we'll yeah. go with that. <laughs>
You feeling autumn? Um, there are some, yeah, there are some vibes. Those crisp mornings are absolutely beautiful, and they're very autumnal. Love a crisp morning. And it's my favourite, favourite time of the year. A crisp morning, um, not even thinking about, you know, moving from shorts to long pants yet, but... Yes. Because I do like the fresh, fresh, crisp mornings. Yeah, you like a bit of cool air on your knees? Yes. Yeah. I was that kid at school who never wore long pants. Really? Yeah, scabby knees all year round. <laughs> <laughs> Scabby digger Our school didn't even have any grass It was just bitumen, the whole thing And football ground too? Yeah, foot, everything Footy, cricket, bitumen wow. Rounders Bitumen <laughs> Knees Remember rounders? Bleeding <laughs> My knees are bleeding I, I was I was the captain of my primary school rounders team I have you know there you The go. only sport I was ever good well, at yeah, like Sorry, rounders. a full digression <laughs> yeah. What were the duties of the rounder captain? I think I just got to pick where everyone played And yeah. I got to get the best spot for myself yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't I couldn't then move on to, you know, to a professional rounders career mm. More's the pity <laughs> Missed out on my lucrative where rounders all, yeah, contracts Where all those great contracts International travel and yes. great money beckoned. Yeah, autumn. Yeah, it is time. There's so many things to do now. We've got you know, it's the change is here. Yes. Um, well, it's just sort of starting. Time will tell. You know, traditionally we used to get uh, this you know second summer that kind of kicks in around now. My waters are saying it's probably not going to be that severe. Remember back in my day, <laughs> used to get three or four days of forty in you know late February, early March. Yes. I, I don't know. It just feels like it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, anyway, but, and I, and time I, will and tell. I base that on absolutely nothing. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I'm just going by, you know, obviously being out in the garden year after year after year, and you start to see patterns and get vibes of how things are going to flow. And it just well, that's it. What do you What do you actually look for? Because for, for me, as I think I was saying to you in early in the show, and I've been going on about it, those autumn lilies. Mm. Yeah, that's nature telling you that something's changed. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, there's a biological imperative to Stick your head above the parapet or above the ground. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we haven't really had um, any of the super, the succession of super hot days. I think it's been a quite mild but quite humid summer in in Melbourne, in the suburbs, anyway. Is that normal? Uh, no, 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 it's not. And it's, it's, it um, it felt like Sydney. Yeah, well, that's just it. I was saying subtropical. To, I was talking to Duncan before, and he'll be in shortly. But yes. um, I spoke to some many years ago. I heard uh, I went to a talk, and a, uh, someone way smarter than me said, "You know, by 2050, Melbourne will be what Sydney was in 2005." We're feeling it already. Yeah, and it's it's like that pattern's actually showing. So because um, I've never really known Melbourne to be a humid city. No, well, you get a, bit, a little bit a here little and there, bit, but it's yeah. way more consistent. But this now. was uh, one, two, three, four—at least four days yeah. of humidity. Yeah, yeah. The the atmosphere you wear. As yeah, you go the, out the yeah. House. Humidity levels—you might get fifty percent, but now we're looking—we're getting eighties and that kind of stuff, which is very unusual. Yes. Um. So, autumn tasks in the garden. I'm I'm gonna go with it anyway. Tasks go. Yeah. So yeah. the soils. My soil's about nineteen at home. It's like I'm not going to talk about. No, that no. Time. We've done. Um, we've, we've done, done that to death, to death haven't um, we? Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm putting in all the brassica seeds. I'm sowing all them now because yep. they like a little bit of warm weather. And I'm thinking, well, if we don't get the super hot stuff, they're not going to germinate and put on the bulk of their growth mm -hmm. because we want that to happen before so, the weather and, really cools down. And then they can harden up for winter. Exactly, for got winter. It. So you've got to get the bulk of it done before the really cool stuff comes. And now, you know, the morning temperatures have been, you know, seven, eight degrees and starting to get a little bit fresh. Hmm. Um, so, hmm. 
Time to get your brassicas in, folks. Okay, get them in. Or are your faves? Have you got favourite brassicas? Um, just the classics. Do you do broccolini? Uh, I've, I haven't done broccolini for okay. a few years, but I might have another crack. But we just mainly do like purple sprouting broccoli because my kids eat a lot of broccoli. Purple raw. sprouting broccoli. Cooked. Yeah. They eat it raw. They eat it cooked. They eat it whatever. They mm. eat, we eat a lot of broccoli. Um, so doing a lot of that, um, doing a lot of the silver beets, the classics. I'm going to go Did back you? with uh, Brussels sprouts this year. Ooh. Again, I'm going to have another crack. Yeah. What happened? Great. Well, oh, it moth? Just, was it moth? That... Well, that's just it. This year, yes, because you, you get cabbage moth. Yeah. And I've also sown some oh, landcress. Some little white bastards. Yeah. yeah. Um, Barbaria vulgaris, which is landcress, which is... Say that again. Barbaria vulgaris. Vulgaris. Um, so what does a plant got to do to get the vulgaris <laughs> moniker? I don't know. It's got to be... You are just <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Vulgar. But its job, it's in the brassica family as well, but it's a, I was talking about it with the breakfast, it's a, it's a trap crop. So the cabbage moth comes in and lays its eggs on it, and when they hatch, the caterpillar chews on the leaves, obviously for its first feed. Yeah. But that plant is actually toxic to the caterpillar and will kill it. <laughs> so you're wiping out the next generation of cabbage moth before they get to your other crops. Devious and diabolical, so it's a little, little Mr. But it looks just like all the other brassicas. Really? So they, you know, insects so navigate what's by What's this thing called again? Uh, Barbaria vulgaris. Landcress is its common name. Landcress. Yeah. Is that readily available? Yeah, yeah. Seed, you know, seed companies have it. Your diggers and your southern harvest and all organic seed companies will when have it. When do you put mustard greens in? You know those so you great can, big, huge leaves? They are yeah. the... Ornamental, yeah, like the most beautiful. Amazing. Thing. We're talking like the Chinese mustard, big kind of purpley green. Big purple. It looks like the same sort of color variation as mignonette lettuce. Yes, exactly. And, um, it'll rip your face off. Yeah, for a couple of minutes. It's like <laughs> it's like the biggest wasabi hit. Yes, exactly. And it is just divine. It's beautiful to look at and tough great. as nuts. Grow out your armpits, so you can start. You could start sowing that now, but even right through, you could even be putting seedlings in as late as June. Right. Sorry, I've got this image of plants growing <laughs> out tough. my armpits. Yeah, but okay. think it's dominating. So, you know, you'll, it'll get to a metre high by a metre wide, and, but it's a, it's a great confidence booster. Yeah, it would be. Okay. Yeah, it's tough. All right. And but you've got to love must like you've got to love wasabi kind of esque must. Yeah, mustard. well, I, I'm not going to define myself in other people's terms, but mm. yes, I do. Matt, you're into that sort of a heat? Yes. Yeah. And the I wonderful do. thing about it is that it is fleeting. Uh, that you know, unlike a chili thing, mm. that if you have too much chili, it's going to be painful for yep. a while. This is um, about I don't know eight or nine seconds yep. of intensity, yep. which is great. What else is happening around your garden? So um, I'm lamenting my apple season. It hasn't been a very good season for apples, and oh. I'm not sure if it's been down to. I've got to go. You know, ideally look back at the weather records for pollination. Um, around October, because most of my apples that I have at home are October. They're kind pollinated of by bees, right? By bees. Yes. So if there was inclement weather, the bees wouldn't have been pollinating. But you know, I'm down to like five percent of what I would usually get. Five percent. Five percent. Like it's there's so, a thing called biennial bearing where the trees you know have a year off after a big okay. yield. Yes. But I prune to try and negate that to try and cut out a bit of the fruiting wood, so the trees always tipping away. At, you know, like 70 percent. And what about birds? Do birds come and um, birds do? Yeah, and we get a bit of bat action at home too but you know i've got most of mine um under where the chickens are so that scares a bit of the parrots and stuff away because the chickens ha don't have a go at them but tell them to piss off really yeah. parrots are frightened of chickens yeah 
Yeah, parrots are pretty skittish birds. They're pretty scared of most things. Not humans when it comes to fruit trees. Yeah, well, it depends about how close you get <laughs> yeah, down. So yeah, yeah. most of my fruit is close to ground level, okay. the first two metres, but they get the top stuff, absolutely. Because I had an apple tree uh, quite a while ago, and the parrots used to pretty much – these are rainbow lorikeets mm. – and they just laugh at me. Yeah. I remember once I even set off a, a firecracker in the tree, and they flew <laughs> off for, for 20 minutes, and they're back, and then I lit another one, and it went off, and they went – <laughs> you did that before. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. try tinsel. I'd use tinsel. Okay. Tinsel in the tree. What else? Tomatoes. It hadn't been a great year for tomatoes for Heard me. Heard from John. Yeah. yeah. Um, ripening has been really slow. So yes. I've tried a few different tomatoes, but they're just sitting there, um, not nothing. fully ripening up. Yeah. As per usual, the self-seeded stuff has probably performed the best. Seeding from last year, because I, I mm. let a lot of tomatoes just rot into the ground and then that my seeds because they came a little bit earlier? Well, they're adapting, whereas the ones that I've brought in, seedlings that I've brought in from a shop from someone else, wow. have come from a completely different climate, and they're going to take time to adapt. So that's the thing about annual plants. They hand over that genetic information every 12 months wow. because they're in situ, where if you yeah. bring a someone in who hasn't been there for 12 months, they're like, hang on, this is not like where I grew up. So therefore, it is a really, really good idea to save your best tomato and take the seeds from that because exactly. the genetic information that's in there, my God. Just leave, let them rot in situ and they'll come up when the timing's right. Okay. It's called nature and shit. Yeah, nature and shit is good. <laughs> Botany. <laughs> Botany is a force to be reckoned with. And... Um, uh, Pruned your roses yet? Um, tip pruning roses. I've only got a few now. I've got rid of a lot of them. I had to make way from a blueberry hedge. So I ditched the roses for blueberries. The soil was 5.5 pH, so nicely acidic. It's kind of like the perfect storm for blueberries. And strawberries too, wouldn't it? And strawberries, yeah. all the all those berry families. And my kids love them, and it was costing me a fortune. So, um, Oh, good idea. Yeah, those so, antioxidants don't come cheap, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they again, they struggled. The humidity is not great. So I might have to, sadly, the deciduous blueberries mm. that I put in, I might be have to thinking about the evergreen varieties because they come from Florida mm. um, and Southern America. And so they're going to be better. If the climate into the future is going to be more humid, yes. then I'm going to need evergreen varieties. But wow. I don't like them as much as the deciduous ones that just, the, the flavor's different. It's a yeah. explosion. But some's better than none. Feel like a drink? Always. Yeah. Hear that sound? Yeah. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be back with that. <laughs> Take it away, man. So now it's time for Duncan Buchanan's Wonderful World of Wine. We promised we're going to fix that up. <laughs> it ain't broke. Okay. Fat. Clavinet. There needs to be more clavinet in our lives, don't here, you think? Here, here, here. And... Oh. Twist the bottle, and, not the cork. And. Oh, yeah. there we are. Everybody, Mate, everybody, everybody don't hear too much. Digger's still here, I'm ladies and gentlemen. I'm Duncan. What could I do? A secretary, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, he's sticking around. No, yeah. he's got a glass of fizzy wine. Yeah. And, then, and then maybe the sound is you spin it and put it back in your holster. <laughs> a little bit of folly work. Oh. Uh, Duncan, welcome back. Lovely to see you, In case Cam, you have Matt, just tuned in, Digger. ladies and gentlemen, we've, we're doing thinking drinking at the moment. Duncan Buchanan's here. He's actually driven in, uh, which is awesome. He's got the kids who are behaving themselves in the green room. After the phone fiasco that we had a couple of weeks ago, which was... <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll never forget it. A big yeah. fire of epic proportions, was it not? Yes, it was. <laughs> it was um, 
a fail. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, hang on a second, it's, yeah. it's great radio. I'm busy pouring everybody a glass. Yeah, you're being hospitable. Yeah, I am. But I thought, given, uh, and on the back of what you were talking about there, Digger, hmm. it has been a relatively ordinary season when it's come to growing things in general. So glad to hear what you say about your, uh, say what you said about your tomatoes, Digger, because mine, terrible. Mm. And and before that, John was also saying, yeah, there, there could be a shortage of sauce tomatoes. Yeah, really? Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, Mamma um, mia. And, and it is. It's this um, perfect storm of weather conditions. And uh, we have um, humidity. We have yep. raging um, heat. We have uh, topsoil falling from mm. the skies, dust. And then massive rain event. <coughs> too exactly. Quick, too, too much, too hard. And that's the, that's the thing. I mean, and so the... Just to take it back about two steps, the reason I brought in fizzy wine, I thought we just need to celebrate the fact that there has been a whole stack to celebrate. Mm, <laughs> just, yeah. to, just have a fizzy wine and cheers, everyone. And also, cheers. you even said, I'm even gonna, my popping is not going to be that exuberant. <laughs> <laughs> and I love an exuberant pop, yeah. pop. Cameron. Yes. Yeah. An appropriate minimal That's what pop. she said. Yes. <laughs> but I said, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Here mm. we go. Clink. Clink. Cheers. Clink. Around the corner. Super fresh. Boom. Mm. Mm. This. Is smelling great. Yeah, as soon as you Delicious. pop the bottom, the- it just disappears in your mouth. There, just for people playing at home, this is a Cersei. Um, and so I, th- I wanted to celebrate and stick local. So this is a Mornington Peninsula. This tastes like a single Fizzy vineyard one. one. Yeah, most well put, Cam Smith. You just you just took a stab, didn't you? No, I read the label. <laughs> <laughs> it is gorgeous little vineyard up in Shoreham called Hillcrest Road Vineyard. They've got an acre and a half of Chardonnay, acre and a half of Pinot. Spectacular one. Uh, I really like this wine. So I thought a good one to open up today. A serious question: Why yeah. is that area good for growing what you've grown? Um, Blondie Blanc. So did you say Chardonnay? Yeah, it's just all yeah, Chardonnay. That's the Blondie Blanc, um, that's what it, it means. It's just a, those varieties like a little bit of – they like it a little bit cooler. So this vineyard is quite elevated, Does has a bit of an easterly aspect, so it doesn't get a lot of afternoon sun. And this is – Pinots and Chards just love that cool uh, sort of ripening period. Um, mm. So because it's elevated, it's cooler. Because it faces east, it's a bit cooler too. Okay, yeah. yeah it just gets the morning sun. So, yeah, it's Does it get it. salty air? Okay. No, it's far enough. Well, people, I think people, oh, well. over, people overcook the whole um, salty air thing with a peninsula, but I, I don't see it as an attribute in those wines. Thank you. No worries. Unfortunately, one yeah. thing that is an attribute in some wines that is going to be coming out, and it is, as you have said as you came in, everybody's been talking about all morning yeah. here on the radio. So um, we've got you in here. We really probably need to face this thing head on. Smoke tent. Yeah. That's, yeah. And like we we don't want to um, sort of downplay the significance of fires across the community. That's been a really that's been a massive thing. And also, we don't want to identify people that have um, are suffering from it specifically because that doesn't really help that much. We no, decided no. was that right? Exactly right. Nailing so, our colours to the mast. Exactly that. So we're just we're not we're not going to talk in specifics. But what mm. we thought might be an interesting chat is just to talk about what smoke does to wines and grapes. Mm. Okay, so you end up with smoke. Fires burn, you end up with smoke in the air. Mm-hmm. That can settle on your fruit. And what is in smoke? First of all, we should sort of say oh, that. Man, this should we just say there's a whole bunch of bloody volatiles in the smoke? Yes, exactly yeah, that's, right. That's, so that's, that's good you're probably looking at maybe a dozen different compounds that will make up smoke, and some of them the the AWRI, the Australian Wine Research Institute. They've been busy. They've been busy. Like busy. prior to 2009, they used to they didn't get much uh, traffic as far as um. 
people wondering what yeah, happens. They're, they're sitting tank. around doing Sudoku. <laughs> yeah. going, yeah, you, the, Barry, you feel like a coffee? Oh, yeah, I have a coffee, but thanks. Most of their, Set your coffee scroll? Yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Most, Not this time, no. Most of the inquiries prior to 2009 was about you know, ferment management and this sort of thing. But once, when uh, Black Saturday came through, there was a lot of smoke tank getting around. And now they reckon in any one year, about 20% of the traffic they get through the joint is people wondering what to do if things get smoky. And mm. this year especially. So they've mm. identified about a dozen different compounds that will contribute to smoke taint. Some are, well, let's face it, they're good. They're, uh, okay, they are good compounds if they act alone. They were the same compounds that you'll find in new oak, which gives us that light, nice sort of charry, mm. toasty sort of thing, bit of charcoal that, that can work well in wines. Charry, toasty, positive descriptor. Can be. Yeah. But when you combine those with the other 11 compounds, which are utter bastards. And that stick to the, the nature of those compounds I mean they come and they settle and they stick they stick and they, they stick to the grape and they also infiltrate it so they'll mm-hmm. go in they can bind with the sugars inside the grape itself and then they just become part of the matrix of the wine yeah bloody hell yeah bastards but so, you can't taste it if you just grab one off the vine most of the time most of the time I've seen some cases where it's really bad like if you get bad cases bad cases of smoke taint that, that wine will smell and taste someone taste like someone has used burnt bacon for an ashtray it's foul like it's really not, it's really not a lot of fun that's so, all layers of foul yeah, yeah okay. exactly so and that's the thing you, you don't just get these just that get that one positive aspect onto the into the wines it'll be a whole stack of them getting through so that's that's where it becomes problematic mm. Um, and you can't. I think I might have asked you when we had our chat before you came on a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just make vinegar out of it? You know, Sm- like can you can you do anything with it? Smoky vinegar. Smoky vinegar. Exactly. And mm. that's you know, it's once that once those compounds are in there, they're in there. So, the, and this is the decision that growers have to make. It's um. Because okay, well, step forward. Say you 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 roll the dice. You go. Nah, I reckon my fruit's okay. I'm going to make wine. Once you make that wine, you're stuck with it. And then you sort of look further down the track and once those um, compounds are in your wine and you've actually – it starts to age for a bit, they can become active again inside the wine. And the wine might look clean as a whistle to start with. Mm. Really? Yeah. And then they can – they almost become active again, for want of a better term. And so you might see it two or three years down the track. So – But do you – okay. Well, then have you got a window – and being honest with the consumer – to say, look, we've got this wine, drink now, and it's delicious, and we get some money, and we get a little bit of cash flow. Oh, look, if you're that good a communicator, seriously, get a job in PR, because that's um, that's that's a big message to send to someone. If you're going out to your customer base going, mm. hey, yeah. these wines are sub... Yeah, but, you know, there's with the calamity that has befallen us, there is goodwill out there, and maybe there's a, an ability for... Um, a, a base to support someone and say, yeah, okay, I'll do that. We'll make it sangria wine for now. Yeah, Get drunk, fall over. <laughs> yeah. Life th- is suffering and pain. Okay, stop. I, th- I, think what, no, I think what you're saying may, be, may hold water, but what these people will do is not make that wine under what is their uh, their main brand. There's no, been a couple no, of producers. Clean that, skin. Clean it, it, skin. Yeah, exactly. There's been no. a couple of producers out there that have just gone, nah, we're not producing this You yet. make a wine called Sangrify. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Sangrificial. Yes. But um, but there, there have been a, there have been a few producers that have just said no, nah, this is a non-vintage, and they're mostly very high-end producers. Yeah, and yes. they will they will just go, you know what? We're just, if you want to find it, well, just Google it. You'll, yeah, you'll, you'll find, find it. it. Yeah, it's, it's easy it's enough there. to find. Mm. But people they'll just say to them, nah, non-vintage. We can't. We cannot uh, risk 
damaging the brand. Exactly. No, right. Yeah. Because yeah, brand I mean, management. Exactly. But the customer's fickle. The customer is very, very fickle. So if you, oh, they're bastards. Oh, they are. Yeah, we love them. Please, please <laughs> buy our wine. Yeah. Um, but the um, the uh, you know if if they feel like they're being duped, they're, yes. okay. It, reputation is a hard one and easy lost, especially in this mm. industry. And yes. We are, yes. We only get one production run a year. Yeah. You know, it's not like we can go out and grow another couple of grapes next month. Well, yeah. It's yeah, like we've you, got you to think wait. about, you know, beer makers, you know, just, oh, well, just turn over. Turn over. Nothing, no disrespect to beer makers. And because they... Someone uh, for best friends are. Obviously, is it just the smoke sitting on the skin of the grape or going through stomata, through leaves, through stems, and then dropping to the ground, and then can that rear its head again the following year? No, it won't, won't rear its head the following year. They've done, but what a lot of smoke, what what a, the effect a lot of smoke has on grapevines is it will reduce the crop in yep. the following year. So the potential crop will be will be further down. I'll be stunted a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and, it can do and that. does it get um, just the grape skin that it gets absorbed, or as you say, the stomata and mm. other bits? It, there is evidence that it will go through onto the leaves and through the, through the vine, mm. um, into, into the grapes that way, but it has to be pretty heavy, heavy smoke. So mm. I would argue if you if you've got smoke getting through your stomata and you're know, going into the fruit that way, your vineyard's going to be covered in ash anyway. Mm. But some of the research that they've had was they've done a lot, and there's a huge amount of factors into what will cause smoke taint. So you'll have the proximity of the fire is a massive one because smoke has a half life. I didn't know this. Smoke will break up at the the damaging part of smoke will break up after about six hours in sunlight so right, okay. so the east skips land fires we had a lot of easterlies weird mm. easterlies you would have seen yeah. this easterly winds yes yes I, yes easterlies that drove, well, we that, knew about that, that. That drove that humidity man you want to mm. you want to see an angry lady go and visit my mrs lucy she <laughs> really <laughs> oh humidity What's happening, lucy oh she, she gets a her hair doesn't suffer well with humidity oh. imagine, imagine a white chick with a straight fro that's yeah. lucy in humidity it's awesome yes but so all but this um all she this, doesn't she doesn't embrace the fro uh, obviously not. No, no, obviously no. not. Okay, but, move um, on, move on. But yes. what, so we had all those easterly winds coming across and there was a lot of concern about what the smoke from the Gippsland fires was going to do for um, fruit, Yarra, Mornington. Mornington, But yeah. because it was taking so long to get across to us, the... Uh, the Half-life. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the, the, um, the potential was lower. So, the, I mean, and the other thing you've got to think about is where during the, uh, the grape's life, at what stage they're mm. at. If it's really early on, you're fine. Yeah, I remember Itch. Max. Max was saying that in December. Max, uh, Max Allen. Max, yeah, but yeah, once yeah. you get once you get closer to picking, that's mm. when it becomes quite dangerous because the closer to picking you are, the, you know, you can, yeah, you can be in a lot of strife. So that's the uh, that's the other thing you've got to bear in mind. But people do things like they will pick a little bit of fruit and they'll do a mini ferment, you know, just in a bucket, mm. and then they'll send that they'll they'll send that wine off to you know, various laboratories and they'll analyze it for the smoke taint compounds that might be in there and that's when they'll make the decision on whether to pick or not and this can be i was talking to one, one of my clients the other day he's like if he doesn't pick this year it's a two million dollar hit to his to his business and the if uh, like here we go yeah if, if quick i'm gonna whack a cliche in if, and like a like a stone thrown into a pond oh, Cam, the yeah. ripples come out Cam, word smiling. Oh, I have to look. Sorry, Matt. But but that's very true. If it, yes. if, if people don't pick fruit, the wine's not made. Therefore, yes. the people processing it don't have jobs. The yeah. people who are going to bottle it don't have jobs. Well, they, 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 it's lessened all the way down the line. So it has has a massive impact on owners, but also has a massive impact on what would be just your you know your regular day to day workers. On the economies. Not there. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm sorry if I sounded flippant, but um, Matt gives me a hard time for clip. Was that a cliche? Well, it's on its way to being one. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I was on the cusp. I was yeah. Yeah, writing that. 
Great to see both of you. What a pleasure it is to have you in the studio. Great to be back. We've both got it's the o- dress What do you mean code. it's over? Yeah, I know. Oh, we're just getting started, Cam. <laughs> it, we've got it a is. half a bottle left. Well, <laughs> we might have to. Oh, and sorry. And we've got some friends listening in Edinburgh. Hello, Chris. Hello, Eric. Really? Yes. Oots. Oots, man. Ew, the pasta win. Um... It's time to go. Uh, Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, guests. Next week, we have um, a restaurateur you might not have heard of, but uh, boy, has he been busy and around, David McIntosh. Also, Cam from Noisy Ritual is coming in, Urban Winery. Yes, we got some stuff there the other day. Eh. Good man, that Cam. Good man. Uh, We're going to leave you because it's time for the continuation of the afternoon. Still here, coming up next. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 